Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's up, my people? It's Pastor Jay Harris here from the Bill Church. Thank you for tuning in this morning for our sermon. We're in a series right now. I'm preaching part two of a sermon series called Grace Yourself. Um, One of the reasons I kind of did this thing or whatever is because, you know, we preach about grace all the time inside of the church. You know, the Bible says that grace, you know, we're saved by grace. It's a gift from God. Um, And we know how to preach it and everything else. But like sometimes I wonder if we actually ourselves know how to actually give grace to ourselves. If the gospel does the kind of work where we actually receive grace when we feel like we're not hitting our mark, we're not doing the best we can, we're not killing everything we put our hands on, but when we're struggling, right, when we're absolutely a mess. Um, And, you know, when I preach this first part, I preached out of Galatians, I'm going to be preaching out of 2 Corinthians 4 this morning. And this is Paul. And I think we get a very beautiful picture of how Paul leans into grace for himself when Paul is actually being attacked. And I think on these texts, context is everything. Um, in 2 Corinthians 4 or whatever, the, the Corinthian church or whatever, they're, they're having a bit, bit of speculation against Paul. And Paul talks about these super apostles who have come in, these, these apostles who are trying to bring discredit to Paul. You know, they're pointing at, man, you know, Paul is suffering, man. He, he goes through all of this or whatever. He's He's like a wanted man or whatever. He's in jail or whatever. He's being persecuted. Like if he's so, you know, so much a God's guy or whatever, why is he going through all these struggles? Shouldn't he be, you know, balling out and living good and getting it? You know what I'm saying? They're playing that kind of game. And so in the text, what we see is Paul, he gives this amazing response that glorifies God. But when you know the context, you also realize that he's also jabbing at the deceit and lies that are coming at these super apostles for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the Corinthian church, right? The church at Corinth, he, he wants to see these people grow in Christ and he sees himself as their servant. So he takes this opportunity, number one, to proclaim, it, like you see how he receives grace, how, the, how he feels about the way the gospel lands on him and his shortcomings and his struggles. And so that's what I'm gonna take you through this morning, right? I wanna preach and let the cat out of the bag. I'm just excited about the text because it's something that I find myself having to chew on also. So let me read the text to you, right? Second Corinthians four. Um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna go all the way through verse um, through verse um, 11, 12, excuse me, this morning or whatever. Um, I'm gonna go through verse 12, but let me start with verse one and push that through real quick. So it says, therefore, since through God's mercy, We have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we renounce secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face 
of Christ. That's the first half of our text, and we'll go through there. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just break it down piece by piece for you, right? So this first part, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So Paul, remember context, he's jabbing at the deception they've been receiving about the from the super apostles contain, concerning him and his team, right? And how they minister. So Paul starts off with a list of do's and don'ts him and his crew move by. Says we don't lose heart. We renounce secret and shameful ways. We don't have nothing hidden behind our back from y'all. Y'all see us as we are. We don't use deception and we do not distort the word of God. So he makes this case by saying, this is how we move. If you want to size up and weigh up who's real and who's not real, let me just let you know how we roll. And then he says something that I think every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, and especially if you function in the body of an actual church and have leadership and different things like that, this is what you want to hear from them. This is what you want to see from them. He says, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Let me break that out down for you. Somebody can preach and they can preach for the sake of actually controlling you or they could preach to empower you. Here's the thing though. If somebody empowers you, then they also empower you to deal with them. Let me make it plain for you real quick. If you teach your kids about respect, if you teach them about respect, if you don't put in caveats and different things where you go, hey, I'm a parent. And no matter what I do, you respect me. But if you just teach them plainly and forthrightly about respect and you lay the truth out plainly, it means they can also turn around and turn it on you when you're not being respectful. It means that you're empowering them to say, hey, listen, you taught us that respect is a value that we need to live by, that people are worthy of honor and being dignified as humans with respect. I think the way you just disrespected me, I want to talk about it. You get where I'm coming from? So the truth has been put forth plainly and it empowers the other person, even if it empowers them against you. So Paul is saying, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We have exposed ourselves and, and given a truth that empowers you to even hold us accountable before God. So if you're going to weigh us up based on the word of truth, are we meeting the mark or are we not missing the mark? Or are you just letting somebody run game on you and begin to whisper lies and deceit and and uh, and and you know and speculation against us or whatever? So he's he's touching at these points. He's like, yo, we operate in truth. We're not fronting on y'all. And verse three says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, saying Satan has literally blinded people, right? It's a power that he wills on this earth where he is blinding the mind of believers. They can't see what's right in front of them. It says, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What is that? What is the light of the gospel? What is that right there, right? Like, what is the gospel? The Bible says that the gospel is good news. And for, the, for it to be good news, it means it must be bad news. And the bad news is that the Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. God's holiness, his righteousness, his, his highness 
is set at such a place that no inkling of sin can exist in his presence. None of us are gonna show up with our resumes and talk about all the good stuff we did. Because we all, our resumes gonna show a pitiful. Even if our good intentions or whatever, we still produce and beget sin in our lives. It's one of the things that happen, whatever, right? With the human flesh. The Bible says that the flesh actually craves sin and is at war against the things of God and the Holy Spirit is actually at war against the flesh. So when we become believers, you know, people will be like, oh man, I thought you was a Christian, like you're all perfect and you're good and all that. It's not the case. The Bible says we were once dead in our sin and dead in our trespasses. Thank you, Jules. My son, Jules, borrowed my hat for school this morning. He just brought it back to me. Thank you, bro. And um, it says we were once dead in our trespasses, but God actually as a gift shined light into our life. So the scripture right here is talking about the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. It is this, it's Christ is glorified because salvation through Jesus Christ is the only way that we are brought out of this darkness. The light that illuminates from the cross that, that takes us from being separated from the Father due to our sin to now being in relationship with the Father. The Father puts forth his Son, represents him. He is God. Jesus is God. That's what's embodied in the statement, the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Once when we were lost, once when we were unbelievers, God in his mercy and grace, he shined a light into that dark place and magnified the beauty of his son Jesus on the cross. And verse five says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Once again, Paul is making this point to the Corinthians. He is like, homie, we are not like those other people. We do not preach ourselves. We don't take ourselves and set ourselves up on a platform and say, hey, we're amazing, we're perfect, we got it together. We posture ourselves as people who need Jesus, who have Jesus, and who are actually your servants for the sake of Jesus. We are called to serve you by preaching a pure, faithful, true, and honest gospel to you that lifts Jesus up and not ourselves. So he's, if you want to qualify us, let me make it plain to you real quick what's going on here. Because they've been having an enemy whispering in their ear. Said, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. We don't preach ourselves. Jesus Christ is the mark. And in verse six, he says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I wanna get into this light darkness aspect, right? And so I wanna read to you Ephesians two. Um, and Ephesians two hits this light and this darkness aspect, but it hits it from a dead verse living, but you'll get, you'll get it right. Um, it says, and you were dead in the trespass, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, right? This is Paul talking to the Ephesians. He says, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom all we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now this is where we get into 
the light. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So when he says, let light shine out of darkness, he's, he, he, he's going back to the Genesis. He's using a wordplay from Genesis where God said, let there be light. There was darkness and God said, let there be light. And he's saying he made his light shine in our hearts in the same way Ephesians talks about us being dead in our trespasses. We were in darkness. We were just like everybody else. It says, it says among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, that we were by, by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were all in this dead place. And God said, let there be light in their hearts. And he gave us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. He illuminated the work of Jesus, what it was, what it means. And so listen, you may be listening to me preach this this morning. You might be like, man, this is good stuff. But you might be postured in this very nonchalant place. I want you to actually make this text functionally for it. I want you to bite it. I want you to eat it. I want you to chew it. Dwell on it. Meditate on this word for a minute so when you can actually jump up and rejoice when you think, think through it and when you process it because it is saying that me and you were once dead. That means we were once hopeless. It means that we were once in jeopardy of God's holy wrath and we had no way to save ourselves completely stranded completely stranded right no no answers no nothing even on your best day you couldn't will your own salvation didn't even have the power to be good right lost the epitome of the word lost utterly lost in God, if you are a Christian today, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have been rescued, not because of you, not because of anything you've done, but because of God's un, unexplainable mercy and grace. Undeserved. Undeserved. Like we do not deserve it. It's His grace. It's His goodness. It's His love for us. It's love on a level we can't even comprehend. And so I try to chew on this thing and I try to, because it, it, gives, it, it gives us power to understand and notice. It's how we fellowship with the Father through the work of Jesus Christ. It's what our gratefulness and our thankfulness oozes out. Then I'll be the first to admit you, sometimes I get so forgetful about it. It's pitiful even when I feel like I'm getting it, how much I actually don't get it. But there's a day in eternity when God will give us a brand new spiritual body and it won't deal with all of these barriers and all of these strongholds and all of these things that wage war against God. And we'll be able to see him in his fullness and we'll be able to understand this thing in a more magnificent and glorious way. Our praise and our worship will be different. It will be different. It will be different. But in the now, Thank you, God, Father, for your mercy and grace from saving me, from coming to get me when I was stranded, when I was stranded, when I actually enjoyed being stranded, when I was just rebellious, right? I didn't even want you. I've heard God calling me at times. I was like, I'm in a party too. This popping out here right now. 
Don't come get me. You understand? I don't still don't understand why he came to get me. But he did. And if you know him, he came to get you. And if you don't know him, but you hear him calling, it is mercy and grace that you hear his voice, that he is broken at your heart, making you ask some different kind of questions. But let me explain something to you. You ain't gonna get all them questions answered. You have to receive this thing by faith. But if you feel something that tastes different, and it tastes like life, that is God pulling on you and on your soul and wooing you towards him. That's how he starts to beckon you up out of the grave. Trust him and follow him, right? Verse seven, that's where we go into a text. We didn't, I didn't read this earlier and I'm gonna wrap up with this. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We just got done talking about you know, this light shining in our heart to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. And it says in verse seven, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all, that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. God, the Bible says when we become children of God, that God also calls his Holy, calls Holy Spirit comes and live inside of us it comes and takes residence inside of our heart things are just different things feel different it draws us to the father it always illuminates the work of jesus christ the flesh is still at work and it's always trying to distract it is always beckoning us towards sin it is always craving sin but there is now something that is rumbling against the darkness this light that now lives inside of us and Paul is saying that God gave this magnificent light, this exclamation point on salvation, for lack of better words, because it's beyond that. It's just, I don't have the words to explain the brilliance and magnificence of God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Trinity, and its parts, how it works and functions inside of us, but it comes and lives inside of us. And Paul likens it to putting something that is 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 priceless a treasure in, in clay jars clay jars for people or nothing because they're fragile if they break they're not like metal where you can melt them and redo them or anything else once they break they just broke right the bible says we're made out of dust and most definitely we are intellectually wonderfully made and intellectually elaborate, but we are made out of dust. In comparison to this holy, eternal thing that's been deposited in us, we're jars of clay. We will grow and we will return to the dust. But our spirit, for us who are believers, will find eternal joy with the Father. And God says he makes this, Paul says God makes this dynamic of something of such splendor in contrast of something that is perishing to show that when he oozes out, God glorifying praise, worship, action, obedience, it's not us, but it's him. There's no room for us to boast in ourselves. Pastor Jay is an absolute mess. If anything good pours out of me, it's the work of God, because this thing is raggedy, right? And so in verse eight, he says, 
Remember Paul is smashing the cake in the face of the criticizers. They're trying to say, man, you know, he ain't, he ain't all that. He don't got it together. And he's like, nope, I don't. Right? It's like when somebody makes a, a joke about you being ugly and then you agree with them and then use it. He has a power move. That's what Paul is doing here, but he's not doing out his flesh. He's boasting in Jesus. He says, verse 8, he says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work with you. And I'll round up with this real quick, right? So Paul is saying, or whatever, right? A lot of people, they say, Lord, I just you know, I want to know the power of your resurrection. That's a scripture or whatever. But people don't want to know they don't want fellowship with suffering the way jesus actually went through and there are some things that just to be frank and just to be true and after you've lived a while if you're young or whatever and stuff um you start to realize there are certain things you simply cannot learn unless you struggle it's why there's so many elders that they got a different kind of wisdom. You talk to them and you like, you got a different kind of thing on them. And they're like, cause I already bear the scars of the things you have yet to face or that you're facing right now. I have answers for you because I've been through it, right? God has put me through this thing and it's revealed things to me, right? I understand the text because I have an intimate experience with this thing, right? He says, we're always carrying around in our body the death to Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be real, revealed in our body. Going through hardship to learn how faithful God is. There are certain things I've faced in life, things that I've just faced even in this past year, where I would have bet everything I had in me a year or two before that if I went through these things, that they would 100% destroy me. I would not be following the Lord. And not that I would not be following the Lord, but I definitely wouldn't be pastoring the church because they frankly just seem like they are too much and the kind of things that would actually break you open. But I'll tell you right now, hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I will say that out of my mouth. I have found that in the hardest, worst trials that I've ever faced in my life, God's word has been clearer than ever. And he is faithful. He is faithful. He is with you in the hardest moments. Moments that in your mind you can't even grasp that you can endure through. But somehow, this thing he deposited inside of us, Holy Spirit, empowers you through that. And not only that, shows you and teaches you new things, things you can't imagine, like actually produces fruit in your life, matures you, deals with some of our childish ways, causes us to grow up, confronts us. It literally sanctifies us, but it sanctifies us in heat. It purifies the pure gold. Gold comes to the top when the furnace is turned on. That's what's, what Paul is saying. In our body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. This is what he's saying. And in verse 12, and I'll end with this, when he says, So then, 
death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul is saying, y'all are gonna benefit from our scars. Don't let these suckers point to us and go, look at Paul suffering and everything and use that against us or whatever and make you discredit and not trust us or whatever at all because he's saying these scars that we are going through, number one, we ain't left the Father and the Father is still with us in the middle of them. But what's oozing out of us is going to be beneficial for you because he says earlier that they are servants of Jesus and that they serve the people, right? If you are a leader inside of the church of God, inside of God's church, the pyramid is not like this with you sitting on the top. The pyramid is like this with all of the people and then you are on the bottom as a servant. The Bible calls us foot washers and Jesus washed feet. So it's a beautiful thing. It's not a derogatory thing. It's an honor to serve God in this way. It's an honor. And the hard times are even fruitful. And it's not just about me or you or whatever. God gives us scars and he uses, he has us lavish other people, just like his death produced life in us individually as we work and serve and love and have fellowship with our people. Sometimes death in our life produces life in the people we serve. I'm able to counsel people because I got some scars. I didn't want the scars. It didn't feel good to get the scars. But God, in his sovereignty, allowed me to go through it, number one, so I would know his faithfulness, but also so I could preach his faithfulness to others. So I hope that, I hope that speaks to you, church. I hope that encourages you to not have fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. God's love is perfect. Even in trials, even in turmoil, even when the enemy's whispering in your ear, like, oh my God, you're gonna be destroyed. When he's, when he's using fear, know that God's love is bigger. And even if it's something that looks like it's going to hurt, God is going to be in it with you. He is faithful. He is faithful. It doesn't make sense to our carnal mind sometimes. But I'm telling you, by the Spirit, faith, trust in the Lord. God got you. God got you. It's the only reason he can say, oh, death, where is your sting? Because he's made a mockery of even death. You understand? We don't fully grasp it now, but we'll grasp it. It's Pastor Jay, it's the Ville Church. Church, I hope that this word is a blessing to you. I love all of y'all so much praying for y'all all the time and I pray that you're praying for me. If you are new here and you've never listened to one of our sermons and you just tuned in, you can find out more at theville.church. If you would like to give, you can go to theville.church slash give. You don't have to give. We aren't begging you to give. If you are being led by God and you say, I want to pour into this church, we are extremely grateful and thankful. And you can do that on our website, theville.church. Yo, I love y'all. God bless y'all. God keep y'all and shine on all y'all. Peace.